to open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, in your Old Testament, Joshua chapter 24, a very familiar passage, Joshua chapter 24, talking about a, a very relevant topic, always relevant, choosing to serve. So today we're going to talk about that decision you make to serve others. You can drive through life, walk by people who need help, and do nothing. You've made a choice. Or you can choose to help. It takes something specific, doesn't it? You have to be intentional about it. You have to think about it. Am I open to helping? And sometimes you don't have time, and I understand that. But at other times, there is a choice you need to make if you want to serve others. So we're going to talk about that briefly today. Joshua chapter 24. Just hold your Bibles open there if you would. As always, we pray for fathers and men in this family and in this culture. Our culture isn't friendly to families, and you know that. For all sorts of reasons. So we must combat that, not with political action, but with specific and intentional actions on our part to encourage families and things like that. I've begun encouraging the daycare dads I do talk to, the ones that do a good job who come in every day or sometimes several days a week and they help their kids. And, and I encourage them. I say, Dad, you're doing a good job. What? I say, you're doing a great job. You're here. You love your kid. You're patient with them. You don't whack them all the time. And they say, well, thanks. I never thought about it. And they don't hear that very often. And dads need to be encouraged, like I said, because our culture doesn't encourage fatherhood for all sorts of reasons. And sometimes it's from the left and sometimes it's from the right. And, you know, we're just, we're just messed up and you know that. And so what we need to do is allow the Bible to teach us. So when you see a dad doing a good job, let him know it. When you see a grandpa doing a good job, let him know it. They need to hear it. Encourage him. And dads, keep at it. You can get better. You will make mistakes. And no, I do not know how to fix you and your daughters or your granddaughters. I don't understand that thing at all. I try. I stumble. I make mistakes. I end up saying I'm sorry a lot. And I just think that's part of it. And they understand that too. And they hear that. Pray with me, if you would, please. Father, again, we thank you for your presence and for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for being a father that teaches us, that is firm with us, and at the same time, soft and loving and forgiving. You've shown us how to be strong leaders in the family, Fathers and mothers both, thank you. We pray this morning for our congregation and those here today. We ask for your help, Father. We struggle against personal sin, laziness and apathy and distorted culture, priorities that are messed up. So many things seem to lead us away from you. We ask for mercy, Father, when we fail. We ask for encouragement and hope and we ask that you would teach us from your word how we might be better at being the people of God. We pray this morning that you would be with those who have power over us in our culture, some men, some women. Give them wisdom and guidance. We pray that our leaders and politicians, like I said, those that have power, 
that they would be given wisdom and discernment and restraint in their use of power. In our nation, we struggle against so many things that would divide us. Help us, Father, to stand together. Help us to learn to accept people as they are, even when we disagree. We pray for the ability to speak our mind with grace and compassion. We ask, as always, that you would be with our first responders, our soldiers, and our families, and those that serve us. Encourage them, Father. Use them to save lives and make a difference. Help us to be encouraging and supportive of their efforts and comfort their families in their struggles. As always, Father, we ask for mercy and forgiveness for our sin. We ask for guidance every day. And we ask, Father, that we would live in a way that could honor you. As we study your word, speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Service doesn't really have a negative connotation. How about servant? Nothing good about the term servant. Unless it's in the context of service. Ever thought about that? We have this idea of servant and, and because of the way of our culture's history with racism and, and slavery and those kinds of things, we tend not to use that term servant and yet it is a wonderful term because it refers to someone that serves others. Someone that serves their God. Someone that serves a greater purpose. On screen is a picture of a gentleman. You don't know him. David Roselle, captain, retired now. In the military, just one of those nameless soldiers who serves our country. Great sense of duty. Gifted individual. Strong father. In 2003, was deployed to Iraq. Within just a few weeks, he was exploded by a mine, an improvised explosive device they call him, blew up his Humvee, lost his foot, thought his career was over, thought his life was over for a while, dealt with the discouragement, the depression, all those things that in PTSD, that all of those soldiers that are, have severe trauma go through, struggle with those things. And yet, just a few months later, after he had multiple surgeries, and after he learned how to use his new leg, it was almost a year, he was decreed fit for duty. Became the first person in modern history, the first American soldier in modern history, to go back to the battlefield after a traumatic injury. Most of them are relegated to some other kind of duty, but he had a, a certain skill set as a soldier on the field, and he wanted to be there with his men. So he said, I will serve my country the way I've always been. So he went back, served two more tours, lugging that leg around. It was hard, he said, but he was called to serve, he said. Servant, you can't be critical of that. We rely on servants like this man, don't we? We rely on servants to protect us. We rely on servants like this to help us. And some of us, by 
de facto of our actions. We become those servants too. We may not determine to be servants, but we determine to serve. And so in that, we become those servants that make a difference. Well, today we're going to talk about a story where a servant of God was calling a people to be a people of servants. It was at the end of a long ministry. Joshua was getting ready to say goodbye. And he had a long sermon recalling all the things that God had done with him and through him and with the people over the years. Follow along with me if you would as we read his final words. Joshua 24. I'll read verses 14 and 15. Just two verses. Joshua 24 verses 14 and 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua had, had really a brilliant career after Moses, you know that. Led them for years in a very difficult situation. Stunning battles, wonderful military victories, a new land, crossing rivers, leading tens of thousands of people who weren't soldiers and led them to become a fighting force, one of the most effective fighting forces on the planet at that time. And this is at the end of his career, and he's saying, listen, and he recalled all the things that God had done. Listen, he was saying, I'm done, I'm old, I've got to step down. You do whatever you want. If you want to serve the other gods and you want to go your own way, that's your choice. And then the leader said, as leaders do, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's his way of challenging people today and people in his culture. You can serve anybody you want. But for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord God. So we're going to talk about that today. And he shows us and this is the first idea on screen, is that the idea of serving God is a decision. And who you serve, what you serve, what you prioritize, is a choice. I came across an article out of Harvard Review just this week, and I don't normally read that, it's a little above me, above me but it did have some subject matter. So it was, it was talking about the elite workers that have gone through Harvard Business School. And included some others, too, that came from other schools, even though they focused on those Harvard graduates. Talking about top-level CEOs, top-level earners in the United States, and they, by de facto, by fact of their position, were in several foreign nations. Talked about their work and habits and all those kinds of things. And the reason I'm talking about this is we are familiar with the idea of someone who has made their God as money or they've made their career their God or things like that. You know, we use that kind of terminology. Someone who has made something their God has understood that they don't necessarily worship that thing as God, but it's of overwhelming importance. This article in Harvard Business Review talked about people, and they didn't use this terminology, but they talked about people who had made their careers their gods. Now, the biblical teaching is that when something controls us and consumes us, we have allowed that thing to be our God. So, 
in this Harvard Business Review. Don't want to read too much of it from you, but it is interesting because of the things it says, and you're going to know some of these things just by things that you hear, but uh, these are called extreme jobs, and they're just jobs that have people who have made their career their God. And they're good people, by the way. These are not losers. These are good people. You would like them to be your neighbor. They're never home, of course, but they're great neighbors. 60-hour work week is the beginning. Think about that. In fact, 62% work more than 50 hours a week, 35% more than 60, 10% more than 80 hours a week. So when you see those rich people and they drive their fancy cars through traffic and you're downtown and you see those, those AMG Mercedes and those fancy black BMWs driving around, those guys love those cars and that's all they've got. Now they've earned those. The majority of these people work 70 hours or more. 9% work 100 hours or more a week. So we're talking about people that have given their lives over to their job, right? Good people who have made the choice, no one's made them do this, to do this. 42% take 10 or few vacation days a year. Usually, often, almost always, their vacations are interrupted by work plans. And they all admit, every one of them all admit, no one makes them do this. In fact, they love these jobs at 100 hours a week. So much so that not only do they do it every week forever, they willingly sacrifice their families. And they say that. They willingly sacrifice time with their children. They willingly sacrifice their health. They willingly sacrifice everything. In fact, they love it so much, they're so devoted to these jobs that these really fine people even take on extra work because it's exciting and it gives them a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment even though they sacrifice literally everything that is important. Divorce, broken families, lost children, etc., etc., all those kinds of things. <laughs> it goes on and on. They don't give any judgments, of course, and I don't mean to belittle these people. These are, as I said, fine people. They pay taxes. Contrary to popular news, these rich people pay lots of taxes. And they work hard and make a lot of money. And they have fabulous vacations. And they almost lose their souls doing it. Now, why am I talking about them? To run them down? No. To say people that have those absolute devotions to anything have made those things they're God. It could be someone who's a CEO of a big business. It could be a musician who sacrifices everything to be a musician. It could be a sports icon. Someone who sacrifices everything to be the best of the best, the greatest of all time, the goat, and all those kinds of things. You know, we look around, look at what our media glamorizes, and oftentimes the people that is most glamorized in our culture are those people that have given up everything to do one thing. By choice and they've lost almost everything else to do it that's what it is when you make something other than God your God like I said I'm not going to criticize those people they're good people if you met them you would like them if they moved in next door well you would be in a different neighborhood probably than you are but you would like them 
They would wave. They would scoop their dog's poop and all those kinds of things. Actually, they would have their, their hired workers scoop their dog's poop. You know, great neighbors, good people, those kinds of things. And yet, when you make anything other than God, the God of your life, you make huge sacrifices of all the most important things. Joshua was getting ready to go away. He knew he would retire for a time and his health was failing. And he knew that God had blessed these people. And for decades, these people had seen God do the miraculous. They crossed the Red Sea. They crossed the Jordan River. They conquered Jericho. They conquered the Promised Land. Their ancestors had grown up hearing about the Promised Land. They were in the Promised Land. They had seen God do things that they would never have imagined. And prophecies had come true. They had heard God's voice. They had seen his Shekinah glory, this glowing cloud. And it was amazing what they had seen. And at every turn, Joshua the leader said, Listen, the reason we're experiencing this is because we are following the Lord God. Keep this up. And God will bless us. In his last sermon, he was saying, Listen, Everything that we've accomplished isn't because we're great people. It's because God is a great God. He's been generous to a fault. He's done everything for us. He's blessed us and gifted us and given you great leaders and good people and all kinds of abilities. Keep it up. And God will continue to bless you. Now, the reason he did that is because he knew us, didn't he? You know, I wish we could say that those Hebrew people, they just weren't very bright because... If we saw all the good things that God would do, then we wouldn't step into sin. And yet, they are us, aren't they? Joshua knew his people. He loved them. But he knew they had a tendency to walk into sin. And if not encouraged every day and not challenged every day by good leadership, they would walk away from God before long. And they would make mistakes. And they would choose to quit serving God. And so he called them to faith. On screen is this passage. Read this with me if you would. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were gods beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now later on, they answered in the affirmative. We will serve the Lord. We will serve God. We will be loyal to him. So at that point in time, they made the choice. We will be loyal to God. And yet you know and I know from our history that the people didn't always live up to that declaration of faith. Just like us in so many ways. We can't be too critical of people who make mistakes because they are us, aren't they? As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. So we gather in worship today. We celebrate Father's Day. That's a good thing. We celebrate the fact that God did a great thing at the apartment complex. And we celebrate and worship a God that we know has blessed us in so many ways. Something evil about that spot. So I'm going to choose to move over here to this spot. So we serve this God who continually blesses us. And yet we still struggle, don't we? Struggle with the choice to serve him and him alone. I guess one of the problems is we're just stubborn sometimes. We don't mean to be. We just are. 
Sometimes we forget. We need to be reminded. Sometimes it's just easier to do whatever you want rather than follow God's teachings. You know, the, the pesky thing about biblical teaching is they challenge us, don't they? And they challenge us to confront ourselves and our sin. And they challenge us to confront our selfish nature. They challenge us to stop talking. They challenge us not to follow our emotions and to act on our emotions. Sometimes it's just easier to do what we want. And yet the choice to, to serve the Lord God is one of those things that can change everything. Joshua knew that if you follow the right God, your life will be better. On screen is this idea. The character of the God you serve will shape the course of your life. Let's go back to that. Stay away from that spot. Let's go back to the idea of those people in a Harvard Review magazine. The elite top level wage earners and CEOs of the big countries. Their God is their career. Good people. Because of their career, because of their career choices, they work, well, 10% over 100 hours a week. Let me ask you this. Let's say you work 70 hours a week. You in the mood for cranky kids when you get home? You don't want to go home if you got cranky kids, do you? You work 70 hours a week, you're going to exercise and do your cardio and watch your weight? No, you're going to grab a burger on the way home and take a nap when you get there. You work 70 or 80 hours a week. You're going to work on your relationship with your spouse? No, you don't have time. You're tired. For a time, my dad worked 70 hours a week at the Ford plant when I was growing up. It was just one of those things, and once in a while, he'd have to do that. And he would be gone before we get up. And he would still be at work when we went to bed. For weeks at a time, we would not see my dad. And I know it bothered mom because she would cry in his absence. And I remember that. I was just a squirt. But that was just for a time. It wasn't permanent. But I've tried to think, what would my life have been like? What would my family setting have been had I worked, had, had my dad worked like that all the time? Well, you know, don't you? Some of you have done it. Sometimes you just have to. And I understand that in certain times, people have to work a lot of hours. But if you allow that to shape your life, your life will take a certain shape, won't it? And the negative impact on your relationships, on your priorities, on your values, on health, all those things come with it. Whether it means you're going to be a great CEO or a wonderful musician or a movie star or anything like that. When anyone devotes their life to anything other than the Lord God, there are those negatives that are going to creep in. Because those negatives are just part of it. And they squeeze out everything else. Joshua knew that. So what we have to do as Christians, as God's people fast forward a couple thousand years, is try to make those examples where God is allowed to lead us. What that means is to do what Joshua said. Make sure that the God you serve is the Lord God. He's not just saying, receive Jesus as Savior. Yes, that's the beginning. But make sure that your life's goal is to honor God, to live out your faith, to be a person of faith first and allow that to influence everything else. If you want to do anything else, that's okay. 
but it doesn't necessarily lead you in a faith relationship with God. So what you want to do is make that choice to allow God to influence you from the beginning. So every day, so you make this choice every day, God, how can I be the person you want me to be? Now on screen are some things that God can do that can shape our lives. No easy answers here, no guarantees. But I'm going to tell you, if you choose to place God first in your life, your life will take on certain characteristics first. And you can already see it. Kindness and generosity. Isn't it amazing what a nice guy Jesus was? The praise team members are talking before practice started this morning about what a nice guy Jesus was. Not only did people want him to be around, they just liked to hang out with him. Even kids. Let me ask you this. Do kids want to be around cranky adults? I mean, if an adult is always cranky and always inconsistent and kind of mean and, and bitter, do they want to be around that person? Nah. Neither do you, by the way. The fact that kids followed Jesus around and he wrestled with them and he was known as a guy who was up for a good laugh all the time, Jesus made a real effort just to be an approachable, loving person, which was unusual. Because a lot of guys just get the idea that being a big strong man means you're a jerk. And it's not necessarily the case. That isn't necessarily what God wants men to be. Men don't have to be jerks. We don't have to be loud and cranky. We don't have to yell at little kids. We don't have to speak down to our wives. We don't have to hit people. God calls us to be gracious and kind people. As much as you can... Be gracious and kind. There is a time for conflict. I get it. Yes. But the fact that everything isn't perfect isn't it. You know, how many of you can look back in your life and never see anything that was unfair? Everyone here can look back at a time when something happened where we got the shaft, right? I mean, it happens. Everybody here has gotten burned somewhere along the way. If you choose, you can be cranky and mad about that and take that out on everybody else for the rest of your life. And you know people that do that, don't you? You can do that. You can be angry for something that happened 20 and 30 years ago. It's easy. Happens every day. Or, by following the Lord God, you can choose to let go and not allow those old things drag you down. It is an act of faith. It's where you make a conscious effort. God, help me to be nice today. Help me to get rid of this anger that's dragging me down. I've got this baggage of resentment towards whomever. Help me to let it go. It's dragging me down. It's hurting me. It's hurting other people. And God can help you do that. It's not miraculous. It doesn't happen right now. But as you pray each day, and you are aware of the fact that Jesus had all sorts of reasons for resentments and bad moods, he chose kindness, and God helped him do that. Kindness and generosity. Life isn't fair, you know that. Like I said, you can be cranky all your life, or you can let it go and move on. And enduring love for others, this is a choice. See, it's all choice. You can choose to love other people, to be concerned for them. Now, I'm not saying you're going to have touchy-feely, warm feelings towards everybody. You know, some people just grate my nerves. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. I'll be honest. 
Some people, none of you are in this church, you're all perfect, of course. But you know, in my life, there are people that just drive me nuts. I have to choose to love them. Again, not necessarily hug on them, but be gracious and kind to them. And love is being concerned for their well-being. Now, I have found this thing, that if I choose to love someone, and I pray, God, help me to like this jerk, and God knows who I'm talking about normally, you know, they sometimes are jerks. But God can help me. And they don't change. I change. You see, that's how that works. God does not necessarily make jerks non-jerks. God can help you love them. It's a choice to love. Again, you're not going to have warm fuzzies towards everybody. But I've learned the hard way that my life is easier if I learn to work with people. If I learn to be kind to people. If I learn to accept them as they are, bad moods and everything, and just... Be the person that God wants me to be. You see, that's a choice. Finally, a life of godly spirituality. This is where you study scripture and you learn how to be the Christian and you don't let it go to your head. My dad had this phrase. Don't want to get over there. My dad had this phrase. When someone went crazy for Jesus, he'd say, well, their religion's gone to seed. Going to seed is an insult. You know what your grass does. You let it grow too long, it goes to seed, right? That's what he was talking about. When people let their religion go to seed, meaning they become really unpleasant because they're so committed to Jesus. You know, you can do that. It's a false sense of commitment. Because you're so spiritually minded, you can, you can, you can, you can become intolerant of people in their sin. You've known people like that, Right? Because you've become so intolerant of sin, you can get angry and rail against people that are sinners. Think old-time preachers. Ever have this image of a preacher who's just angry? He seems really angry. He was. She was. Preachers get angry and they stay that way. You know why? Because they, they've let their religion go into seed. And they focused on one particular biblical teaching about this idea being sin. And they've ignored this kindness and generosity towards others. When you allow the whole biblical message to influence you and affect you and determine the course of your lives, the anger that is so easy will be taken care of. It's easy to be disgusted with people in their sin. People are sinners. They are. And sometimes they're disgusting. And it's easy to dislike them and rag on them behind your back and gossip about people that are sinners. All kinds of people have good, good people have done that. They've fallen into that trap. Joshua is saying, follow the Lord God and you will become the person that God wants you to become. He can help you be loving. He can help you be faithful. He can help you be a standard of righteousness in the life of others. He can help you give grace. In the New Testament, go fast forward a couple thousand years, Paul talked about this sometimes, uh, the way your, your life would change as you allow God to work with you. He called them fruits of the Holy Spirit. He said when you allow God to work with you, Certain characteristics will creep into your life and you won't even realize it. And he listed those on screen. If you would, read this with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And strangely enough, he added this idea, against such things there are no rules. In other words, there's no restriction on this. When you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, when you make that choice to serve the Lord God, then these are the things that will begin to consume you. And you'll be gracious. And you'll have love for others. And look, peace and patience and kindness. You know, you know that, that thing that bugs you and, you know, I just wish people would leave me alone and all that, that business. That stuff goes away. Because you've allowed God to change you. This is what Joshua was asking people to do. Let God change you. Let him influence you. Let him make you the person he wants you to become. And it will be the best life you can imagine. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. As he does this, let me challenge you to consider how God might want you to be. Who might God want you to be? Make that choice to follow the Lord God. To receive Christ as Savior. To make Him that primary relationship and allow everything else to flow from that primary relationship. Let Him be the one God in your life. Won't you stand with me? Make those decisions. If you'd like to make something public, you can come forward if you'd like. As usual, I've messed things up. We're so glad you came to worship with us today. It is a holiday weekend. Love those daddies. Love the memories. Dads, do what God wants you to do. George, would you come and lead us on a closing prayer, please? Pray with me, please. Father, help us to show your love by following Christ's example. In Jesus' name, amen.